Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. As an emergency medicine trainee doing intensive care, I will confess that I struggle to work up the enthusiasm to cover a nutrition guideline. With my deepest apologies to all the great ICU dietitians I've worked with, I just struggle to get excited over this stuff. And part of the reason for this is that our dietitians are so good, I have kind of cognitively outsourced the nutrition to them, and I've scraped together a fairly knowledge and basic a basic knowledge just about enough to get me through the exams. All that being said, it's worth being aware that there are some major pieces of guidance out there and you'd do well to have a passing correspondence with them. I'd highly recommend attending an excellent lecture given by your ICU dietitian, which is just possibly where this entire summary came from. This is certainly not intended to be a comprehensive review of ICU nutrition, but a few pearls I picked up from the, the ESPN 2018 guideline do follow. So firstly, nutritional assessment. This is the first step. ESPEN immediately embarks on a new cold war with their American colleagues by rejecting something like the Nutrix score, for example, um, as a definition of critical illness malnutrition, stating that nothing has been particularly well validated as yet, uh, and so they don't really come out and support any particular score. However, they do stress the importance of assessing for malnutrition with some risk factors, including a BMI of less than 20 or greater than 40, someone who's clearly malnourished, people with burns, sepsis, prolonged stay patients, and frailty. And depending on how you define this, about 50% of patients may be malnourished in the intensive care unit. They helpfully split critical illness into phases with regards to nutrition. And this is probably about the most useful thing I took away from the guideline. And there's a lovely little diagram that you'll see in the show notes that I've pinched from the guideline. So they describe an acute phase of critical illness where you have an early period of instability and pressure use. Usually lasts about one to two days when the body's very catabolic. This is followed by a late period, about day three to seven, where there's muscle wasting and stabilization of metabolic abnormalities. And finally, there is the late phase, chronic the rehab phase as the patient becomes more anabolic. According to this concept, don't rush to feed new admissions with big increasing pressure requirements or people with acute bleeding or life-threatening hypoxia or acidosis. So in that first day or two um, of acute resuscitation for the critically ill patient in the ICU, it's okay not to rush in to start giving them enteral nutrition. And as with all ICU nutrition, enteral nutrition is preferred over paraenteral nutrition. Finally, there are a few other points to take away from the guideline. Um, refeeding syndrome. So probably maybe up to 35% of ICU patients are at risk of this. Uh, and the thing we characteristically look for is a drop in the phosphate after starting feeds. Uh, prevention is typically going to be done with IV or enteral thiamine and reducing the rate of feeding. Uh, also important to note uh, a few other sources of calories in the ICU when you're doing your calculations. Propofol, um, dextrose infusions uh, and even citrate has a caloric value as well that's worth kind of taking into account. Unsurprisingly, I've not even managed to make three minutes of nutrition at this stage. There's a lot more to it, of course, and I will cover more nutrition in future posts, but this was just from my little notebook of things I took away from the ESPEN 2018 guideline. Thanks for listening.